Hey, Jennifer. Hey. Hey, everybody. You, you know what? I always, when in my videos, I always sound like a little kid. I'm like, hey, everybody. And then hey, you have the, hey, y'all, that made you sound. So. Choose your words carefully. <laughs> no, it was more, it was like a catchphrase. Like everybody knows Marcy from, hey, y'all. Just so. And sometimes when I'm trying to go through my feed and look at a specific video and I'm thumbing through fast, so I'll hear oh. like, hey, y'all, hey, y'all, hey, y'all. And I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> Stop God. right there. Stop. <laughs> On the videos that I don't say that, if I just go right into dialogue or if I edit it in a way that that part's out, people ask, like, where's the hey, y'all? Yeah, <laughs> like, it offends them. It's a fixture. And hey, y'all that are watching. Now, if you were with us last week, we were bumbling along through the internet, through the Wi-Fi. And so far, so good. This is, I'm very impressed with us right now, that the quality of our video and sound is where people can actually hear us and see us. So maybe it's going to improve it's just going to keep improving it's going to keep getting better now here's one thing i didn't start off with any with any jamba juice music we got to figure out an intro we've got a i mean i got the headset to be more professional and i feel like you kind of set me up for failure so you would I look did. like yeah I did. <laughs> I, it was purposeful <laughs> it was purposeful i feel it i'm feeling that way Oh. So I feel like I just look like I'm just sitting at home chilling and you're like working. Focused. I'm Plan. really focused and working hard. Now, I also put this weird background um, on. I I saw that. Why didn't you yeah. tell me? <laughs> I thought you did it on purpose. <laughs> Tim what Snow. Just... Oh, see, now I really feel like it. You better Wait. fix this immediately. That's better. <laughs> well, I feel like this is too big faced. Is this too big faced for well, people? What if we, how did you, well, maybe we need to come up with some kind of cute background. Oh boy. What does cute background mean? Well, something cute, something cute. Let me, let me say this first. First of <laughs> all, I'm slightly embarrassed because we're trying to get our act together and Tim Snow who has been having this podcast for forever right is on of course watching our inadequacies <laughs> <laughs> and uh good evening to good evening to you Tim thanks for stopping in and hey, then Tim. um Cold Blue is asking a question Jennifer off of YouTube asking did we ever drink prison wine well, you answer that first. Well, I made I made prison wine, not at the real unit, not in real prison, but at the ID unit, at the intake unit, at Plain State Jail. We made, I had this big plan, right? Because we okay. got the fruit for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. My birthday's on the 28th of December. So <laughs> naturally our plan was to make this hooch. Um, and we used a couple of empty peanut butter jars, which is not enough room, first of all. Um, and then we used bread from the chow hall for yeast and we put it, we tied it up in a hairnet so like oh crumbs wouldn't get. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. um, we used stolen sugar and um, it was awful. Yeah, Tim says he doesn't like it. They would boil it and turn into white lightning in the feds so much better. that It probably was. It was horrible. Did you drink it? We drank it. I wasn't Did alone. <laughs> I wasn't like, I mean, I was depressed during my incarceration, but I wasn't right. like drinking alone. No, it was like there was four of us taking some big swigs and kind of, yeah. And, and we never, we, <laughs> we never, I, I didn't ever feel an effect from it. It was pretty much. <laughs> Were you sick? Did you get other. sick off of it? We didn't get sick. No, I didn't. I'm fairly certain nobody else. Are you thinking we should have gotten sick? 
Well, I mean, I remember when I was working in the library at Mountain View, I remember reading an article in the newspaper about some prison upstate that they tried to create prison wine known as hooch. Uh, and they all got botulism. They all got extremely deathly ill um, because if not made the right way, you're drinking bacteria. And so pretty sure I would never, I would never. I, well, I didn't, I didn't consider the risks. Frankly. <laughs> I was, it I'm was, depressed. I'm upset. Let's it was drunk. the first, my first birthday in prison and I had a 20 year sentence and I think I might've been willing to take the risk at that point, frankly. So, um, Jennifer, they're asking where you did time at. So I did time at, um, I did two years in the Texas Youth Commission. Uh, and then I did time at Crane. I did a little time at Lane Murray when I was younger, but uh, the second trip was about 10 years at Mountain View. Um, I don't, did y'all ever harass people that came over from Mountain View for stuff? Did you, Marcy, tell the truth? Absolutely, because y'all were spoiled oh. over there. And <laughs> frankly, in the summer, while I was in, taking college classes back in the day when they when they transported people from Mountain View to our unit to take classes and they're coming in all refreshed. It's 110 degrees outside and they're coming in, you know, just looking fresh and feeling fine. And we are dying in 130 de degree weather. Yes, we gave them hell. Absolutely. We did. It's so Haters. funny. Somebody Haters, commented. Man. I think on Instagram yesterday, somebody commented um, on one of my videos and said, it, it's because I went to a rich prison, a special prison for rich people. <laughs> in my mind, I thought, damn, I didn't even make it to Mountain View. I was not in a special prison. So you were one of the people yelling at us, talking shit to us, because we couldn't help it. We had air conditioning and clean laundry. Marcy, that wasn't our And fault. good food. And good food. Can we throw that out there? It was a small unit. You had good food too, Jennifer. <laughs> we did have pretty decent food. Now, if you want really good food, it's Crane Riverside because they have the culinary arts program over there. And when I got shipped over there for a couple of months, baby, I'd never seen so much food on a tray in my entire life. It was so good. So good. So meanwhile, um, you were living in the air conditioned unit, eating good food and you had decent clothes from laundry. And I was <laughs> eating tuna noodle casserole <laughs> three times a week. Now, now let me, let me back up though. I did, I did almost 10 years at Riverside and a little time at Lane Murray when they first opened Lane Murray. So I, I do understand. I, I did experience that as well. But I, the second time I got locked up, I was like, Jesus, I need your help right now. Right now, going through classification. Please, dear God, don't send me to Lane Murray or Hobby. Please send me to Mountain View. And it was like, Marcy, we had like 30 people on chain at reception. And they said, okay, 28 of y'all are going to Lane Murray. Two of you are going to Mountain View. Baby, I picked up that chain bag and just started walking because uh -uh, I'm one of those two. And I was. Jesus came through because I, I yeah, I did. What's happening with my camera now? I, I was bragging know. on that. That's, 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 that's the juju I'm sending you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. They're, a they're, they're asking about prison tours, Tunchi. What I've never heard of a um, prison giving tours like to the general public, right? Oh, to the general public? No, but did y'all have like, um, like the students come in, the college kids? We did. I mean, when I was at Crane, I mean, they had the scared straight program where they would tell us to terrify children, which we wouldn't. Um, but no, we would have tours come in from like college programs and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, it used to make me mad. Like we were fucking monkeys in a cage. I hated it. Oh, I hated it. It was horrible. We had that at Lane Murray too, where a group of students and 
just looking in awe like we were caged animals. I mean, we were. We yeah. were caged animals. It, it's very much like going through the zoo and looking at people in their natural or animals in their natural habitat, right? That that's us. That's that was our home and they absolutely they absolutely were doing that. So yeah, it, but it's not a pleasant experience for those tours to happen. I gorgeous junk. Uh I mean, I feel like you have good intentions to go just take a look, but it it doesn't it doesn't sit well with the people that are incarcerated. It makes us feel very um you know, like we're on show, like animals. I mean, we already felt like animals so much, you know. It even felt that way when um, the training new boots, the, the mm -hmm. officers. Um, and speaking of officers, Tommy Burris hopped on, hopped on here, and he's a former correctional officer. So we actually uh, went to the same high school together. So I'm glad to see you, Tommy. Uh, and he sometimes he'll watch my videos and offer a little insight from the other side of things, um, but he's on to bigger and better things. He's a, he's, I think a truck driver now and enjoying life a lot more. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure. Could, could you, could you ever be a correctional officer, Tunchi? I mean, just think about it. If, if they let you right now, what would that look like for you? What would that offer look like for you? I mean, I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Now, when I was younger, don't tell anybody, but when I was younger, of course, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be a cult leader. Now, let me preface that with, I just wanted to be a leader, but I would see, <laughs> I would see like, you know, strong leaders that would get all these people to do something crazy but i was like well what would it be like to be a leader that like you've got people to do good things so i maybe i shouldn't say cult leader but like somebody who really motivated a lot of people but there for a while i wanted to be a police officer i went one halloween dressed i couldn't make up my mind to be if i was going to dress up as a cat or a sheriff so i went as a sheriff cat um but i did for a while now no absolutely not absolutely yeah. first of all not just because i've been there and i know what that feels like but they don't pay their staff well they don't treat them well they treat them almost as badly as the people incarcerated there so yeah there you they what would that look like for you well absolutely not first of all <laughs> i would get in trouble right away just tim's talking about he'd love to sell sell cigarettes he could make a fortune right he could get rich uh someone that's been on the inside already has kind of a working knowledge of how that kind of thing would go down. Um, but I, I don't think I would be in there like trying to smuggle tobacco. I would just be wanting to help all the time. And I just, I can't imagine being in a position where I have access to all of these free world medications and mm -hmm. just simple things. Like, do you remember in the summers how people would, well, you'd, you, you don't remember from your 10 at, at Mountain View because they had air conditioning, right? But in, in real prison, <laughs> they remember how people would get those rashes from mm -hmm. heat, heat from rashes heat. and yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing they sold on commissary and there is nothing that they were giving at medical to relieve that for those ladies. And I'm, I'm just thinking about stuff like that and, and cases and, man, I'd be pulling other officers' cases that I knew were, were BS and they'd hate me. I'd, I'd get fired. I'd get fired. Yeah, I, so one of my ex-girlfriends that I lived with in Houston, she, um, I was actually on parole at the time, but she had just finished college and, you know, we you've got to have a job and she had Put in, I said, look, it's desperate. Like, we have to pay bills. You're going to have to get a job. I know one place that will hire you right now. And so she um, she worked at, I believe it was Darrington. So she went through the training, and she would come home, and she would tell me, oh, my God, <laughs> Jennifer. Like, they are propping up the lady's hands so she can shoot the target. 
like the lady can't fill out the form because she, you know, she had some reading problems. She was like, they are just pushing people through. It doesn't matter. Like they'll pass the test for you. So then she started, she lasted one month at Darrington. And when she would come home, I would tell her, take that uniform off in the closet. I don't want to see it. And so, but then she, she said, Jennifer, I can't do it. I can't do it. She goes, I see stuff every day. I report it to the supervisor. There's a guy in his cell standing in sewage and they don't give oh a gosh. damn. She said, and my degree is in social work. I can't handle this. I, I want to help, but every day, everything that I report is falling on deaf ears. I can't handle this. So she, she got a job somewhere else, but like, no, nah, yeah, I girl. can't imagine. I can't imagine uh, seeing the living conditions and um, yeah. So they said, why, um, why are the suicide rates so high among correction officers? So um, the statistics for PTSD symptoms, it's 30 something percent of correctional officers dis display PTSD like symptoms. That percentage is higher than veterans. It's a very harsh work environment. It's dark. It's it's not there. It's not a place for humanity. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I know over my decade long incarceration, I personally know nine female inmates that committed suicide and two officers that committed suicide. And that's just that I personally no. Now we knew of officers on other units that it happened during that time period. And it's horrible. And um, even, even if the gray pants versus white pants inmate versus officer, when that happens, whether it's an inmate or an officer, it, it was horrifying, horrifyingly sad. It's just the conditions are so bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I can't even, you know, through, through all my time, I mean, I remember lots of officers that took their life in the pickets. You know what I mean? Like on property, the the women that I knew that, um, you know, unalived themselves. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a horrible, dark, um, you know, and I knew some women that had tried to, to do that and ended up in vegetative states and then harm themselves. And, and, you know, it's, it's a dark, dark place. Um, you know, because imagine you're the person that has to enforce the inhumanity. Like you're the person that has to treat other human beings, um, as if they're not fully human. And that, that takes a toll, you know? Um, yeah. And even seeing like the conditions are harsh enough and inhumane enough. Um, the rules are set up unfairly and unjustly, right? So even just dealing with that, but then also to see the more of it. So you're seeing people, um, you're seeing officers that have completely submerged in that role and are abusing their power and taking it further. You're seeing inmates um who are at the lowest point in their life they are losing their kids to cps their marriages are falling apart they're losing their parents and can't go to the funeral i mean it's just yeah yeah it's it's hard so if we had a producer like if if we were big time this time next year when we get a comment like um tim snow's telling us about this lieutenant what would happen is our producer would quickly look it up and it would pop up on our side screen right and then mm -hmm. we could talk about it so i didn't hear about this suicide um at gib lewis did you hear about that did you know about it jennifer um, well, I don't, it, I think there was one recently over the past year. Um, it's been bad. I mean, COVID, I mean, definitely escalated all this stuff. And, and the problem too, is that TDCJ takes so long um, to report things, uh, especially the people who are incarcerated. Their, their suicides, it takes them so long um, to report it as such. 
And sometimes, well, I mean, you look at, at the things that happened at Hobby years, years ago, I think it's gotten a little bit better, but I mean, those deaths were heat related, uh, but of course they didn't mark them as heat related. They marked them as, you know, heart failure and heart attack. And it's like, yeah, cause it's 130 degrees in this cell. Uh, and this person has underlying um, health conditions, but you know, the, the reasons for, I, I think also officers, um, you know, them being so vulnerable to that is, I mean, what else is going on in their lives outside of prison? I mean, there, there's factors too, like poverty or, um, you know, conditions at home or, you know, the type of environment or city that they're living in. I mean, they're just, they're, they're set up for, for, you know, this type of thing. So, yeah. Sure. It's, it's, it's horrible. We have to move on to something else because I'm, I'm not going to be sad this whole hour and not that that's not an important topic because it definitely is. And and I will say, um, I am excited about, um, I'm getting to participate in a documentary coming up. I think they're going to start filming, filming in March and it's about solitary confinement. And it just talks a lot about the suicide rate, how raised that is, but we'll touch on that. Um, Tim Snow said he did a video on the officer that recently shot himself. You guys can check him out. He's commenting from his Facebook page so you can see where he's at. Um, I do want to highlight this question. Um, is any unit safer than others? I know there are several in Gatesville. Well, Kathy, my experience is in Marcy's is with women's units. I'm going to say that the least safe is Hobby and Lane Murray. Would you agree? I would say that for sure. Statistically speaking, absolutely. And and hobby probably a little more so. I think there's more incidents at hobby than Lane Murray. Um, both of those units are maximum security units. And and Mountain View is also, but Hobby and Lane Murray house a large amount of women in comparison. And so I think that probably has something to do with it. Um, and well, in their cultures there, those units have a, you know, cause every culture at every unit is different. It's like its own little city, um, that, that affects it. Staffing affects it. Uh, Mountain View is usually well-staffed, clean and highly secure because you've got death row, you've got protective custody, you've got, um, the, uh, facility where they take you, um, for crisis. So that unit is everything is by the book, very secure. Um, and, and there's always a lot of media presence there too, you know, for ho- high profile cases. So, so now, you know, behavior. right. <laughs> so uh, I think one place that sometimes it slips our mind is Plain State. Plain State Jail is uh, the thing of nightmares. It's horrid. Um, it is disgusting. It's a state jail, but it's, it's horrid. We could do a whole video on Plain State one day. Then I hope we should do that again. We should make um, some of our sessions just about each unit because people would find the conversation. And then all the women that we know would would definitely want to participate and argue over. Yes. Was it it right to be mean to the girls at Mountain View because they had air conditioning, Marcy? Well, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why would you put me on the spot like that? I'm just no, saying it's what it was. It's what it was. And that's <laughs> what it was. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's see. Are you both familiar with Darlie Routier's case? I know she's on death row at Mountain View. Do you have any opinions as to whether you think she's guilty or innocent? She said she's not guilty. Marcy, you go. Oh no. <laughs> no, that's that, that sounds like you well definitely I'm familiar with her case. I'm Here we go. Let's do it because I I feel like you took a sigh because you it's going to it's going to be a good debate here. Let's well, hear it. Yeah. Well what t- You tell me. No, you, you go first. What's the part what's the your answer for part B? That's the question. Now I have opinions on death row. I don't have direct, 
I've never had direct content or contact with her. I was not on the unit with her. She's on death row. So she's housed completely separate from anywhere, everyone. A lot of people, she, for sure, she's the most asked about mm-hmm. notorious person, maybe because it's more recently that people ask me about in multiple videos, randomly, everybody wants to know. Um I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I haven't watched enough of statistics or I haven't read enough about her case to know if I have an opinion on if she's innocent or not. I think we both um, agree that we are against the death penalty. Obviously. Definitely. I don't, I don't agree with the death penalty period for anybody. Um, now the question is, what is my opinion about Darlie's case? And, and I, I don't think she did it. I think she's innocent. Um, and there's lots of reasons to that. So you you leaned in. You leaned yes, in. Yes, because I, I want to. <laughs> okay. I, so here's the deal with Darlie. So this was in the 90s when right after Susan Smith had let her car go into the lake and, and lied about her children. Uh, so there was kind of this hysteria about that, right? So then you have this woman who uh, is very, very blonde, very Dallas, very vibrant. She's got the big Texas hair. Um, you know, they're spending a little bit of, above their means, um, but she loves her two kids. She just had a baby uh, for, for what it was worth. A family got along. There wasn't um, any weirdness. Everybody knew she loved her kids. Well, you know, when this, this intruder attacked, um, she barely survived. Now, in the 90s, when her trial happened, it was she's this. There was no clear motive. It wasn't really money. They didn't get a whole lot of money from, from the kid's death. It wasn't, oh, she's angry or jealous or she's ill or any of that. There was no clear motive other than look at her spraying silly string on her kid's gravesite, which... The entire neighborhood was there. Her entire family was there. They were having, uh, the community was having a birthday celebration at the kids' uh, gravesite, which earlier in the day, she had been hysterical, and but nobody caught that on camera. Um, so she was basically just crucified in the media as being this gaudy, rich, Dallas, suburban mom who hated her kids. And it, they're like, well, she you know, she did this and then superficially cut herself and, you know, all that crap, right? So this is what caught my attention. And this is when I was at Crane and I was watching 2020. So there was a true crime author and I forget which one it is. She wrote a book called Precious Angels and it was about the whole trial. And she ripped Darlene a new ass, man. She was laid it out. This woman is guilty. So the, they released the pictures that were not allowed to be introduced um, that the prosecution had suppressed. And it was the pictures of her injury in the hospital and her bruising on her arms. So her bruising on her arms was just almost black. Um, my camera's jacking up. Defense like wounds. Defense wounds, like she was holding someone off. Uh, and then her cut to the neck was just, an in, I don't even think it was an inch. I think it was like a half an inch away from her main artery. Like it was plunged deep. Uh, it wasn't a scratch. It wasn't Downs, the lady that did small sacrifice that, you know, injured, hurt or killed her kids in the car, um, where she just scratched herself and nicely bandaged. No, Darlene's neck wound was to the meat throat. Uh, and when I saw that, and the lady that wrote the book said, I completely, completely take back everything I said in that book. I will tell you, and I think there's still something on her website that says, don't buy this, don't read this, because I didn't have all the information. And wow. so then ABC did a documentary in 2019 that kind of lays out the case again from a different perspective, like looking at a woman Kind of going back to like Melissa, Melissa Lucio, this lens that we look at women and mothers and we hold them at certain standards and they have to behave a certain way um, for us to believe them. Like a greedy mother 
wouldn't just sit and confess to something out of trauma. A grieving mother wouldn't spray silly string. I mean, that was what got her convicted. And um, there's some other stuff. There's a bloody sock out blocks away from the house. that has got her and the kids blood on it. it it's just complicated. Um, but no, that's my long winded. I'm, I'm friends with Darlie and that doesn't affect it. I became friends with her later. Always. As soon as I saw that 2020, I was like, Lord have mercy. They've locked up this woman um, who didn't do this. So has she exhausted her appeals? Do you know? I don't even know. So they're waiting on some DNA. So the, the state has fought tooth and nail to get this unidentified DNA tested. Um, and they've had to raise money to get a private lab to look at it because it's, I mean, this is going on 20 years later. We're running out mm -hmm. of stuff to test. Uh, they've run these samples before. Um, and so they're still, the Innocence Project picked up her stuff and uh, they're still waiting on the DNA testing because there was, unidentified DNA found at the scene. Hmm. So, so I'm going to be hysterical if they ever give her an actual execution date. I mean, I was about Melissa Lucio too, because I, I knew her. Um, but Darlene's been there a long time. And I just, I really believe, can you imagine like you're getting accused of killing your children and you didn't do it and they're going to kill you. That's, I, I can't even, and then I think her remaining child got cancer, and I don't know if he survives or if he's still alive, but it, she's just had it rough. She's just had it really rough. Either way, can you imagine if, if her child, I, I mean, just even if you had snapped, and if people, I might get some hate, some hate for this, and this is very different than, Darlie's case it's very but what about I was 17 years old when my first baby was born and and he was very colicky and I remember at that time um, which was in the 90s so that was kind of a big topic was mothers who did bad things to their kids. Right. But I remember thinking like just rocking him back and forth and thinking I can never let somebody babysit him because I love him with all of me. And I'm about to throw him against the wall because he was just crying and crying. So I, I think I have a little bit of understanding for mothers that just lose it. Right. Um, so I, I'm just thinking about if that were, I'm just putting myself in those shoes. What if I had lost it, mm -hmm. you know, as a young mother, and now I'm in prison living with that. And then I have another child at home that it takes ill and I can't be there. And whether they survive cancer or not, just living with all of that, I can't imagine just, just me as a mother, Jennifer, living with my crime and knowing the harm I put on my kids, I just can't imagine it. It's just so, it's such an awful situation. Postpartum depression and all of that. It's, it's, yeah, I, I do have a little bit of understanding about all of that. Um, you know, not so much these crazy cases, uh, Andrea Yates and all of that. That's a different, different deal, right? But. Uh, well, yeah. right, because she was completely um well she was tried the first time and this is what's so crazy about our legal system is that she was clearly not well had clearly not been well had severe psychotic postpartum because that's a thing that's the next level up um, from just regular postpartum um and so her first trial when they tried her and found her guilty and gave her life and was trying to give her death. This woman who fits clearly the definition of not being mentally competent during her offense or after the reason she got that overturned. This is crazy. Was that one of the witnesses said that she copied her crime from a law and order episode. And so her appellate attorneys went and checked and checked and there was no such episode they overturned her trial on that and gave her a new trial. 
Wow. Oh, just on that. Something so right. When the lady was clearly not well. Um, and you know, nobody held her husband responsible for knowing that she wasn't well all those times, um, and leaving her with her kids. And so then when they found her not guilty by reason, essentially of, they call it something else, but it's reason of insanity. Um, you know, people don't realize she's still in that, uh, in that state hospital and she's probably never going to leave. She's actually even said, I don't, what would I do? I don't want, I can't care for myself. And I'm sure the heavy burden of what she's had to deal with after she had some clarity of mind. You know? Right. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. So side fact, side, not so fun fact, but fact nonetheless, is that the doctor that treated her and testified for her was the same doctor that treated me when I went to the psych hospital during really? my, yes, yes. And he talked about it. He, it was really odd. Um, it was odd, not that he talked about her case or details, but uh, he kind of like a bragging right for him. It was really peculiar, his behavior for him to tell me while I'm a patient in, I mean, in, in the psych hospital. In totally the not appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really odd. It well, really it, it's, it's interesting. You, 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 it makes me think Marcy, like, <clears throat> you know, when we're on TikTok and we're looking at videos and there is this understanding between those of us that know each other and have been locked up, right? With all of the women that we know in TDCJ, many of us know the big cases and the wild, you know, uh, that people are always so curious about. Um, and we tell their stories with what I feel like with an understand that Melissa knows I tell her story, you know, Darlene knows that they, they want that because being locked up, you know how it's so hard to have your story told in a way that articulates your humanity and maybe some things that are not that flattering because you're human, right? What pisses me off to no end is, is what this gentleman did to you and which I see people on TikTok do all the time is they use these stories for attention or clout or one, one lady in particular who has. I was almost wishing because I absolutely know where you're going and I wish I was smart enough to pull that video up on my computer and share the screen um, because we could dive into that, that, yeah. Yeah. See if you can see uh, see if you can pull it up. Um, so that most this is recent the thing. One. <laughs> that Anybody recent. that's looking at me on my computer right now, if I'm making faces or leaning into the computer, I ask that you not screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ariana's here. She'll screenshot for us. Yeah, Hi, right. <laughs> right. I want to um, let me mute. Okay, there we go. Hang on, because I muted my computer. So, Tunchi, you talk to him. I'm finding it. And I, I think it's going to work. I have I have faith that it's kind of going to work. You, Let's you, see. Are you going to open it? Okay, you're going to open TikTok on your laptop? Yes? She's, she's, okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so... What what drives me absolutely crazy is that you'll see people um, who don't okay. know. Okay, Marcy's. <laughs> okay, so it. how do I? Who knows if I can share the screen? I should. You it, look at the bottom. It doesn't have the little oh, it arrow. Oh, says share screen. So then just pick. Man, we're I had to quickly glance at what else I had pulled up. Okay. <laughs> you have a close that porn. Close that porn. Right. There's <laughs> no, I have my book that I have been working on forever. Is it sharing or no way? Oh, I had to, I had Help to do it. Help us Blair. <laughs> okay. We're working it. You know what? Blair Bear, do you know how oftentimes she has helped me on um, TikTok live? <laughs> she She's knows right. everything. She's like, Jennifer, we can't hear you. You need a better selfie stick. And I'm like, I know. Cause my hand was like this. 
Okay. It says, so I had to change my settings. Mm -hmm. um, and it said it may not work until I, hold on. It said it may not work until I close the screen and come on, man. We see, should be able to do this. this because I knew that I wanted to do this. Um, it's sad oh. that when I Google her name, uh, okay. Okay. Here's the I thing. Like now I don't know happen. how to get back to the screen where y'all are. <laughs> I'm working on it. Let's see. She's got it. Golly. Yeah. So this is about Aaron Caffey. Oh, no, Texas Prison Stories, we're using Restream. It's a local company uh, based out of Austin. I have used StreamYard before, but I don't know. I just find this interface better. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, I like the techie stuff. What I want to know now is how do I get back to the screen where I can see you? <laughs> oh, my God. Look at the bottom. <laughs> okay. Why did I do this? I'm so sorry. Oh, wait. Okay. There we are. Choose what to share. It says wants to share the contents of your screen. Okay. Okay. So then it says choose what to share. So then what? Does it, does it tell you what tabs? <laughs> wait. Y'all can definitely not see my screen, right? <laughs> no, honey, we can't see your screen. We can't see the man oh, wait. that you're looking at. Unable. Yeah, it's not going to let me unless I log out and log back in. That's weird. Because and show I us on your, do you think that you can show your phone? Possibly. I mean, because my phone's pretty clear. Possibly. And especially if I turn this ring light off. So hold on. I'm going to turn we'll, the we'll volume do. up also then. Okay. We'll do it the old fashioned way and then we'll figure out the share screen. Okay. We're, we'll be better prepared for. Yes, we will. Okay. Wait. Okay. on TikTok, but I'm going to go into some details that I haven't shared before and the long-term effects that it has had on me. I was working one time with this inmate and she was 17 years old, had been tried and convicted as an adult. She was in an adult prison for masterminding and participating in the slaughter of her entire family. Her so let me, let me pause it real quick because she was in a Texas prison as a volunteer, which Volunteers that come into Texas prisons are there for religious purposes. That's just 99.9% .9 of it. I would bet my, my, everything I own that she was there with a religious group. So she was there with supposedly good intentions. Yeah. You tell me if you want me to pause it at some point, we'll get professional right. next time. Yeah, go for it. Her dad was the lone survivor, but unfortunately, her mother and two younger brothers did not survive the attack. And this weekend, as I'm working with her, I had never met her before and I had not heard her story. And so she was able to take me for a ride, basically telling me the version of the story that she wanted me to hear. And what I didn't know is that she is a psychopath and she was. OK, but in her video earlier before this, Jennifer, she clearly says that she knew what Aaron's charge was going in and she was selected to talk to Aaron because of her charge and because she was young and this this broad was young I hope y'all are hearing me because it just said no yes no we can hear yeah. you and the video you can hear you can hear the video okay so she contradicts herself already right 
getting sick pleasure out of toying with me, watching my emotional responses and just seeing what she could get away with. And I was totally sucked in. I totally was buying everything she was telling me. And I felt pretty safe around her because she was a small, petite person. But the moment that everything in the room changed was whenever she was looking down. She, she really wasn't even looking at me. She was just kind of looking down and talking real soft like this. And all of a sudden, she just does this. And y'all, when she looked up at me that way, there was a black darkness in her eyes that I have never seen in anybody before. And it scared the shit out of me. I suddenly felt extremely vulnerable, like I was in a predatory environment and I was not safe. I was clearly shaken. I finished my work, got out of there, but I had to come back the next day to work with her. Okay, she was shaken. She was scared. She was fearful. There was this darkness around her and she had to come back the next day. She was a volunteer. It wasn't her job. She wasn't paying her bills to be at this prison in Texas. She wanted to go back. And so she went back. Not, right. I mean, it's just, she's such a, oh, so frustrating. I, so you sent this to me and I, I've, like I started a recording just like we're doing now where I just stop, but it's just so, you know, I'm nice on my videos. I know. <laughs> this is horrible. And, and I want to say everything she's saying about Aaron, Aaron's life in prison does not indicate any of these things. It's completely absurd that this is what this lady is. She's doing this for views. That's she's right. doing this to get, to make a viral video and it's working. Right. Yes. For a second day. And this second day that I worked with her, I'm coming into the same prison space that we were working in the day before. And I see her from a distance and what I saw still shakes me to this day. Now you're going to think I'm crazy or that I'm one of those religious kooky people that constantly hallucinates like demonic spiritual things. I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who sees things, but this day I saw something. I'm looking at this girl from down a ways and she looks at me and her face just goes hollow. Her eyes go black and sunken in, almost like I'm looking at a skeletal version of her. And the only thing that I can explain it is that maybe there was something evil around her that almost was standing between me and her and I was seeing through this thing. And it was a way of me seeing that there is evil around her and that I need to be cautious. But y'all listen, this two day weekend with her started 10 years of nightmares, panic attacks, sleep paralysis, seeing shadow figures in my room. To this day, I have had hauntings and unexplained poltergeists in every place. <laughs> okay. okay. So she sees this. So you, you are scared of someone. And you go back the next day and you see this hollowed face figure with darkness around her, with evil lurking around her. And you still go to approach her to hang out for the second day because this lady did. She did. So, because yeah. <sighs> it's so infuriating. And the first video I did commenting on her original one um it got taken down it got recorded and i was trying desperately to adhere to community standards but to listen to somebody who came in under the disguise of prison ministry spent two days with this woman which is probably roughly 10 hours if that and you've made a judgment about her her spirit her crime, her mental health. Oh, I bet you that you didn't really even know who this girl was. Didn't think about her again until you got on TikTok and thought, well, what interesting, notorious. Erin was seven, she was younger than that when the offense happened. And she goes on in one video to say she's a mastermind. She's evil. She's a psychopath. Honey, if that's the case, my, my whole room it, it would have attached to me and everybody she did time with that got out. Aaron, the word mastermind is not the word I would use for Aaron. Aaron Absolutely is actually not. No, if anything, she was one of those girls that was, a, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, a people pleaser. She was constantly victimized. She was constantly preyed upon, used, manipulated in abusive relationships. 
um, you know, and she would teach her peer education stuff. And I think she's a peer educator again, um, because it gave her a sense of meaning and purpose. And she is not any of that. Lady, you have no idea who that girl is. And those of us who did time with her, how dare you? How dare you? She has some nerve and she's doing it definitely for clout. She's doing it um, <laughs> coming from a very uneducated as far as as far as Aaron's true self goes. But let me just also say this. She's completely lying about the situation. And I, the video prior to this where she's describing um, y'all people, if a prison ministry comes in, they don't know my crime. There's nothing in the prison for them to look that up either. I mean, they don't know my name. They don't know. They it's, it's so it's absurd for this lady to come on and say, yeah, we got there and they told me I was going to be talking with Aaron Kathy. And this is why Aaron Kathy was not in closed custody in a cell. It, it was nothing like that. She was in general population housed with guess what? This is how safe she is. She was housed with people serving two year prison sentences in general population. And this lady's making her out to look like a complete monster. It, it, it's, it's, and that is where it gets frustrating. If, if, if you or I talk about Darlie's case, if we talk about, you know, some of the other ladies we know that are a bit well-known, um, I don't want to use the, the word notorious, but you know how people see that. And we humanize them and we try to explain their story and try to get people to see that they're just human. They're not any different than anybody else, no matter how outrageous the offense was. You, you can look back to the story and see all the complicated dynamics to it. So when you take a girl who is, she was younger than 17, 16, 15 when this happened, and you say, oh, She's just a psychopath. She's a psychopath without any, never having lived with her, never having interacted with her other than two days. And she hasn't just done one video about this. She continues to do videos about, it. and she, she is using those very brief interactions to parlay into this. I've got 10 years of demonic spirits and seeing shit and honey, maybe that has to do with you. Maybe that has to do with you and your intentions towards other people. Um, it, it's just, I, I hate it. I hate listening to other people talk about women I did time with. Um, and, and there are some people that I'm like, ooh, honey, she is kind of like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you're spot on. And because there are some people that unfortunately, they are a little grimy, right? Like they well, Absolutely. Yeah, there are sometimes I watch a 2020 episode and thought, well, they didn't even touch on how bad she was or how bad she is because I've known her and I've lived with her and I've dealt with her day in and day out. And Aaron is not that person. So yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's just for clout and it's pathetic and it's harmful. And the reason it's harmful is because it portrays, it portrays incarcerated individuals as monsters Right. And the fact is, the majority of the crimes that are committed, there is a, just like you said, a huge circle of circumstance around. It's not, generally speaking, for the majority of the people that I was incarcerated with on a maximum security unit, including people with life sentences, there was all kinds of things going on long before th that crime was even committed oftentimes that led them to that place. And yeah, yeah. It, so it, it is harmful. It puts a stigma that doesn't need to be put and it makes it harder for positive prison reform to come because people hear that kind of story. The 600,000 people that follow her hear that kind of story and it paints a picture of what women in prison are and what they look like. And it, it, yeah, it's harmful. Yeah. 
and especially, you know, I'm super sensitive to this narrative about children that commit crime, especially violent offenses, that they are inherently evil or inherently soulless and, and without conscience, because that was what was told to me from psychiatrists, from other people for many, many years, um, because I was 15 when my offense happened. And um, just to see it done to somebody else who I know, who, it's, who I've lived with. I'm a, I discern people pretty well. No, rom romantic relationships, no, I don't do such a good job. I, well, actually, I do discern well. I just choose to ignore it. Um, but for the most part, I mean, I'm spot on with people, and that wasn't Erin. Well, yeah, and well, the bottom line is this lady talks about she wasn't able to sleep and this and that. Um, but the fact of the matter is the people living on either side of um, Aaron right now, I promise that they are sleeping just fine. They are not <laughs> feeling any kind of weirdness or craziness or dark spirit. Now, do they feel a darkness in the prison system? Absolutely. Are, you know, but they're not, it's not a direct result uh, from being incarcerated with Aaron, right? Right. So we have just a few minutes and I did want to answer this question. It's down a little bit, Jennifer, and I can't pin comments because I guess you took that privilege away from me. <laughs> so, um, but it, so there's somebody just, I want to hit on this the last five minutes. Someone okay. is saying they are 59 years old. Okay, and yes, they committed an offense that was really similar to mine. They might be going to prison. And she's asking, do elderly people get housed separately? Um, wh what do we have to tell her? Uh, so, Kathy, thanks for, first of all, thanks for joining. And thanks for um, interacting and asking a question. So they don't separate elderly people. Um, that we're all mixed together. You're you're going to be with youngsters and people that are lots of years older than you in the same living area, but people in prison, especially in women's prison, they're not just walking around attacking people. You know, there is definitely violence that happens in a prison, and I can tell that your your question is. You're a little bit concerned about your safety, right? Because of your age. Uh, but Jennifer, she doesn't need to worry so much, right? She just needs, she can go in and stay, stay out of people's business. That's right. the main thing. Don't speak on anything that doesn't have to do with you. Don't see something and tell somebody else you saw it. Even if you think that somebody else is your friend, Don't you just that. keep, you know, and that, and that's how you're, you're going to be safe. Lots of people go to prison and never get in one fight. Jennifer, right. how many fights did you get in? <laughs> Not girlfriend fights, right? Oh, zero. Yeah, no, zero. <laughs> you know? I had two minor cases in 20 years. And so I got that, just yeah, that happens. People yeah. do that. People do their time that way all the time. I, I took a little bit rougher of a road. <laughs> and so if you watch my videos, you probably see me talking about some of that. And that might be where that thought comes from. Uh, but you don't have to, I hope you don't have to go. I hope they reinstate your probation and maybe work with your restitution payments. Right. But if the worst case scenario happens and they send you, you can just stay to yourself. Yeah. Just stay to yourself. Um, as an older person, there are some stereotypes in prison that people look my experience with older ladies when i was locked up they got in people's business they got in people's business they didn't like people having sex in the other cubicle they didn't like having to see it they didn't like you know they they ran things in all the time and what running something in means they snitched they told uh, and i'm not talking about stuff like someone's getting hurt i'm talking like people just living their life in a prison setting and that will get you hurt because they don't care that you're an older lady. Them youngsters do not care. Um, but if you stay to yourself, mind your own business, don't gossip. And if, it, if somebody tries to bully you or pick on you, you just stand firm 
and they'll leave you alone and they'll give you actually twice the amount of respect because you are an older woman. But if you, if you're a busybody older lady, it's, it's not going to be, it won't be pleasant, easy time. That's right. That's right. She says she she's too shy to get into someone's business. So you're gonna, you're gonna make connections if you go, and I hope you don't. But I think that people don't realize that friendships are definitely made, bonds are made, and it's just like going into any other situation, a new workplace or a new school, um, where you you peep the scene, right? You just kind of check to see check to see what everybody's about and you're going to meet people with common interests as you and it's okay to have a friend in there and that still don't get in people's business right <laughs> so jennifer we're we're at our hour already and i can't believe it we did it we our, our viewership is going up we're going to be consistently wednesdays at seven y'all marcy's internet is good Yes, yes. And the dog, I only had to throw the shoe at the dog one time for whining. And so that was good. <laughs> the very intense moment. She's like. <laughs> I know. It. I tried to do it off camera. I didn't realize my reach could reach or that it could be seen right there. So we didn't talk about what we had planned on talking about, but this was great. So you guys Perfect. brought some awesome um, questions and topics, and we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, <laughs> if you didn't catch the whole broadcast, you can catch it on either one of our Facebooks or our YouTube, and we'll see y'all later. Bye, y'all. I got the y'all in. <laughs> yeah, good, good. <laughs> I'm in a way.